Hey everybody, welcome to the Design by the Hive show, where I get to dive deep into designer brains and disentangle their craft in order to gain insights on their creative process, the magical utensils they use to make sparks fly, and their personal recommendations of resources worth studying. This episode is a Q&A with multidisciplinary artist Jesse Bearden, where we discuss creative exercises, using food as a medium, and handling creator's block. Enjoy. If you could tell me the story of how you came to be a multidisciplinary artist. Sure. So I guess it's funny because I didn't really plan on doing this as a career. Um, I never thought it was really a reasonable thing to ha- uh, to do. And so I guess I always did art on my own as I grew up, but never really took it that seriously. And I went to college and studied advertising. And at that point, I knew I definitely wanted to do something more visual and just strictly creative, not so commercial, but I didn't really know how. And I started researching different sort of artistic avenues I could go down, I guess, and came across set design. And I was really interested in that, which is kind of why I moved to New York. And as I was working with set design, I kept doing my own things on the side and sort of I kept getting hired to do my own work. And it sort of just transitioned into this artistic path that I I didn't plan on doing. That's interesting because it seems like you've done really well for someone without a plan doing this. What was your parents' initial reaction whenever they found out you were beginning to make this more of a profession? My parents have always been really supportive of it. I When I was graduating high school, they thought that I should apply to art colleges, but I was too scared to really take that leap and do that. And so I ended up not doing it. But then when I graduated college and knew I wanted to do something more artistic, they were completely behind it. And I obviously to a point, if I had gotten to New York and wasn't making money and wasn't doing anything with my time, it would obviously be different, but they supported me in this idea to go this direction. So very nice. Um, out of all the designers in the world, who has been most influential to you? I think, well, when I was younger and I first started learning about art, like in elementary school, I was really into Andy Warhol, which is kind of cliche, but I loved Andy Warhol. So for years, I was he was like the artist that I looked up to. And then as I got older, now I would say... It's, it's not so much, it's, I don't know, across a lot of different disciplines. Like, I really love Tim Walker, the photographer, Sally Mann. I really love Andy Goldsworthy, which also is someone I discovered when I was a lot younger. And I think it's definitely influential in what I do now if uh, you look at his work. I didn't really make that connection until more recently that how influential he was when I first found out about him. Um, but now when I go back and look at his work, I can see like the way his mind works and how that influenced my work. I'm not familiar with him. Is he a, a photographer as well? No, Andy Goldsworthy is, he's, I guess you would say a sculptor, but okay. he works in nature and kind of arranges objects in nature in a creative way sort of like 
different leaves and rocks and stones and makes it look unnatural, I guess. It's really cool. You should look them up. I will have to. Uh, just going through your Instagram, it's easy to see most of your work is done with food. Is there mm-hmm. a particular reason you chose that medium to work with? I think the first stuff I did with food was really just, I was living in an apartment or still living in an apartment and getting out all of my paint equipment and the whole setup was kind of just, it was going to take up too much time, too much space. And I had food more, like it was just more convenient (laughs) for me to work with and like pushed me to think differently. And that's where I really got started with food. What was your biggest fear when you first started your career? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) No, I I get you. Um, My biggest fear is definitely choosing something and getting stuck in it and not loving it. So I guess because I did study advertising in college, I was worried that I would go to an agency and start sort of working that ladder and get stuck in that um, environment and that industry and not love it and sort of not know when to get out. That was definitely my biggest fear is just getting stuck down a path that I wasn't loving. That advertising career was more of a secure job. You were guaranteed Mm -hmm. kind of a cush life. Mm -hmm. And you really took this leap to chase down something you loved that was more creative, Mm -hmm. but maybe not so secure. Would you have any advice for someone contemplating the same I guess, leap? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say, um, like, luckily, timing-wise, for me, I never had to go into advertising. But if you do, like, obviously, just practically, you have to have a job. So if you do have to take an advertising job or a job you don't love, just really set goals for yourself to do things on your own and to get yourself out there as your own brand. That way, without like they're, you're able to transition and you don't get stuck. Um, I have friends that have gone into advertising and they're working really hard on their own stuff as well. And that's helped them like make the leap out of a job that they maybe don't love and into working for themselves. What are two or three things you typically find most helpful when stuck or feeling stagnated with coming up with creative solutions? Um, so for me, I am a fan of just completely taking a break, um, like taking a walk, working out, just try, like even watching a stupid TV show that's just going to totally clear my mind. Um, I used to try really hard to push through the block and do different things, but what works best for me is to just totally step away and then start over with like a fresh mind. Cause when I try to push myself too hard, I end up wasting so much time just brainstorming ideas that aren't working and it's frustrating. So for me, I just totally step away and usually like read a book, but not any creative stuff. I like to just go in a totally different direction. When you're reading a book, would it be more fiction or nonfiction? Um, I, I like nonfiction usually like biographies, like different stories that are real usually just to not, I just don't something that's really not creative. That's using the other part of my mind. Yeah. Typically do you feel most kind of like creators block whenever you're on deadline? 
In a way, yes, but I, I think for me, the deadline and the pressure helps me be more creative because there's no alternative. Like you have to get it done. So for me, having a deadline usually is good for my creative block. Who do you view as your mentor or mentors if you have more than one? So definitely there's a woman named Marla Weinhoff and she's a set designer here in New York. And I found her when I was in college and I was researching things that I might want to do. And I was looking at Lady Gaga set design. It was at the time when Lady Gaga was doing just those insane, crazy sets and costumes and makeup and all of that. And I was like, who's, who's the mind behind this? Who's making this happen? And I came across Marla and I reached out to her just completely cold call. I sent her this thing in the mail and, um, I ended up meeting up with her and I still work for her a lot here in New York. And when I first moved here, I was spending a lot of time with her and she's really special to me and has helped me learn a lot about the industry, just the creative industry in general and how to work with clients. And she's awesome. So I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's super cool that you kind of found someone who was already doing what you wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. then you kind of just reached out to them and tried to learn how they did it. I think that was very genius. Um, Yeah, I think, well, it's funny because it's intimidating to do that. But in college, I started reaching out to people just to get their advice. And I was so surprised how willing people were to talk. Like people sent me really long emails. Other people were like, let's hop on the phone. Like, I'd love to tell you how I got to where I am. And it's I was so surprised every time I got a response like that, but I learned a lot and it was really nice, especially when you're still learning and like, you're not asking for anything except for advice. It's really like an advantage. Yes, I agree. I think always in those situations, most of the fear is always in our heads. Mostly Mm -hmm. it's not a real fear. Um, If you had to train me for an art competition in four weeks and you had a ton of money on the line, what would the training look like? That's a fun question. Well, I would want to go somewhere not in New York City and go somewhere where I can just like, I could be training someone like on the beach or somewhere really peaceful. But the way that, like one of the best lessons I got from an old art teacher in high school, he would have us do this exercise where we would look at a picture and he would flip the picture upside down And then we were supposed to draw the picture upside down, if that makes sense. And basically what that does is totally disconnects your mind from what you think the image is supposed to look like and what it actually looks like. So if someone tells you to draw an eye, just your brain's knowledge of what an eye looks like is going to turn out in a way that maybe doesn't look like what the eye actually looks like, if that makes sense. So like... That separation was really eye-opening to me, and I would definitely do exercises like that to help someone see things in a different way. I like that. I like that exercise a lot because I have a friend who actually does um, a crazy exercise as well. He will. He's a graphic designer, and he'll write down like things that he'll typically get from clients after he completes a project it's like logo needs to be bigger or not enough this and he'll write Mm -hmm. down all the complaints and then he'll put them all in a hat and then when he designs for himself 
he'll pull out one of those things from the hat and he pretends like it's a client telling him to evolve that. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. If people had to teach themselves how to do what you do, Mm -hmm. are there any instructional books that you would recommend to them? Well, I guess for me, my most, for me, this, there's a book by Tim Walker called Storyteller, and that's one of the most inspirational books for me, but it's definitely not a design teaching book. Um, and I guess that kind of goes along with everything that I do and that I feel like a lot of it is less taught and more you're kind of self-teaching yourself how to see things in a different way. And I don't have a design instructional book that I really go to. I just look at things and try to not necessarily recreate them, but piece together things that I've gleaned from online and books and in nature and work from that. I guess it kind of goes back to creative exercises would really be my like instructional books. And it's funny. Cause like you were saying with your friend, I do something a little bit similar in making my own prompts. Like I'll find a song and then give myself 30 minutes to come up with what, like if I had to make a music video for it, like what would that look like? Or if this song was an image, like what would that image look like? And sort of just connecting different things, um, in a creative way to like really work your mind. That is incredibly funny. I do that so often, not definitely with songs, but I kind of imagine like, like short films Uh to them. So that's funny to hear you say that. It's so fun. It's hard, but it's so fun. But I definitely agree with you. I think it's fun to look towards instructional books for help, but I think definitely with design fields or any creative field, I think it's so very dependent on just experience and Mm -hmm. just doing the work. Where on the internet can people keep up with you or the work that you do, social media or um, a website? I think so. I have a website. It's just jessiebearden.com. And then obviously my Instagram, which I, I'm really, I guess I'm a perfectionist and I don't post that often because I'll do stuff all the time. And I'm like, Oh, that's not good enough. And never sees the light of day. And I do a lot of like drawing and painting that also I don't necessarily put out there, which is, that's one of the biggest challenges I've had to get over working as an artist is just being able to put myself and put myself out there because it's more in my nature to just keep things to myself. So um, I'm working on putting more things where people can see them. Do you have any asks, requests, or any parting words for the people listening before I let you go? A lot of times when people ask me for advice, I just tell people to not think too much and just do it because people come up with ideas and then they hesitate in actually creating these ideas, myself included, it's something I'm definitely guilty of. So just go for it, make it show people. That's the best way to get yourself out there and do what you want to do. Hey guys, this is Ines again. Before you take off just a few things, number one, if you're interested in checking out anything that was discussed during this episode, you can check out the show notes with all of that information by following the link in the description. Also, this is Design Dose, a short email where I share a quick behind the scenes of what I'm currently drooling over in the design world. 
It's just a fun piece of goodness for you to chew over before you get hit by the work week. It includes favorite design pieces I've discovered, interesting design articles, and other crazy magic that I've managed to stumble upon. Check it out. Just go to designbythehive.com and drop in your email to get the very next one. Until next time, thank you for listening.